You know how sometimes you read something, you read a book, and it just, it grabs you. In fact, it changes you. There have been books that you can go back to that have had such an impact in your life that you almost think, wow, if I didn't read that book, would I ever have had that experience? Well, that is definitely the case with our next guest here on Touch by Prayer. Author, Jesse Berkey. He has written a book called Finding Home, and he has written many other books. But today, we're going to focus on Finding Home because this is a book that changes your perspective of someone who's lost but gets found. So welcome to Touch by Prayer. Welcome, Jesse. We're so excited to have you back. Thank you so much for having me back. It's a pleasure every time. <laughs> it's a pleasure, Lisa. Thank you. Well, it is. And the, the, the great thing... Okay, so first of all, the great thing about this is that I absolutely love this book. And I and so <laughs> you don't have to fake it. You don't have I, to fake it. Right? I don't, I don't. It's not well because when you first wrote the book, you came on and we and we kind of talked about it, but I didn't read the book. So and it was like one of those things like timing is so important. And so I started to read it. And when I first started to read it, <laughs> I, the first like couple of pages, I'm hysterically crying now. Now, I've spoken to other people who have read this book, and the same thing has happened. And I think that people have actually contacted you to talk about that, correct? Oh, yeah. I've gotten um, some very interesting emails. I've gotten some messages from uh, people who have tried to read it at work and had a complete emotional breakdown (laughs) there at their desk and couldn't. They were like, no worries. I got a few of those emails. I got uh, an email from someone who was really thankful they read it on the red-eye flight so people can look back and see them bawling their eyes out. And uh, people, you know, just a lot of uh, crying one minute, I'm laughing the next moment. It's like, I mean, it's, it, it's, the, what that speaks to me is that people are being drawn into the story. And as a, as a storyteller, you know, as something, a storyteller who didn't know that he could tell story and, here I go. I'm talking about myself in a third person. You know, that's kind of weird. But <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that I could that I could tell stories. You know, that's not something that I thought that I could do. Uh, it's something that I discovered that I could do. And to hear those types of reactions from people who read it and are are engrossed enough in the story to react emotionally. I mean, that's what. That's what a, a storyteller wants to do, you know, so it's awesome. Well, the, the first couple of books that you wrote were mostly true, right? They were, they, they were, they were not fiction. This is your first fiction book. So the other yeah, books Finding that you wrote Home were the, non-fiction. Yeah, it's the debut fiction. Yeah, I had never done it before. And when uh, the Lord told me to write this, I said, God, I don't know how to write fiction. And he said, that's okay, I'll show you how. And so, He's such so a good it teacher. A, it was a three-year process of learning how to do it. Okay. Well, okay. So th- th- there are so many questions that I have because I, the book was just, if you love the shack, you are going to absolutely fall in love with finding home because there are such similarities. And now did you read the shack before like writing, finding home? I did, but it was, it was years before. I remember reading the shack when it first started to gain momentum, you know, when it first started to really break out and so it had been a long time since I, since I read it. So I, I believe I can honestly say that I wasn't thinking about the shack at any point while I was writing this. So the, the similarities are just, you know, because when people begin to get transparent, when people begin to, to ask questions, when the writers begin to enter into the transformation of their characters, some things are, are similar. You know, there's a similar feel. And I think that some of the similarities between Finding Home and the Shack display um, – some of the same questions that, that the author of The Shack, William, William Paul Young, right, mm-hmm. yep. um, had when he was writing The Shack are some of the same questions that I wrestled with when I was writing Finding Home. Well, it's interesting because in The Shack, he talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he kind of breaks down who each like person was, which I, I thought was really cool. And, and what I found out, because that, that actually started me the shack started me looking for Jesus, like we like looking for the Jesus in the shack. Wow. And um, so what was interesting is a lot of people can't get out of the fact that in the shack, God is portrayed as a big black woman. And yeah. people got so wrecked by that. They just couldn't, they thought it was like sacrilegious and they were just yeah. so upset. But what was so cool is when he was a boy, his caretaker was this big black woman. 
who every time that she hugged him, she would say, Jesus loves you. And wow. so when he would get hugged, when he thought of God, he, the only person he could think of was this woman who took care of him and told him that Jesus loved him. Wow. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing because, and I don't want to give away too much of the book, but I definitely would like to entice those who are listening to check out this book because you will be forever changed. Just like the shack changed me, this book changed me. And I think that's, that's the power of, of being a really good storyteller is that you can change a person's perspective. So, so when the Lord said, you're going to write this book, did he give you basically the outline of it? Yeah, yeah, he did. And I, you know, I can't specifically recall what kind of time period that was, but it, I, I normally, when I set out to write a story, I normally can see the beginning and then I can see where I'm, I want to end up. You know, I can see that, I can see, and then it's just filling in the middle details, and, and some of those are planned out, but I, I know that for a lot of Finding Home, I just entered into the story, and, and I didn't write an outline for that. I just knew where I was starting, and I knew where I wanted to end up, and um, like you said, the power of, of telling story, the power of being able to, to wrestle with things as an author and see that. Uh, played out in your characters and and know where you want your characters to end up uh, and just and take them on that journey and take them there um, it's it's really it's really powerful for the author themselves and it's really powerful for people reading because we know as writers that we're not the only ones wrestling with these things you know we're not the only ones asking these questions for finding home a big question for me was you know what what about God and tragedy you know where how do we reconcile God with a God of love with the tragic things that happen in this world? And that's, that was, that was something that I was wrestling with and that's something that the characters wrestle with. And so, um, yeah, I knew where I wanted to take them. I, I knew where they were and I knew where I wanted to take them, but a lot of it was just filled in as I, as I continued to write. Now I have to ask, like, as, as you were developing these characters, were you thinking of certain people and certain characteristics and certain personalities that that kind of you know gave that character more of a a human like approach yeah um yeah of course yeah of course i identified identified mostly with john who's the main character and there were different elements of myself that that i could see in some of the other characters Um, but really i can think back on my life and back to when before I had my my big moment, you know, the the moment of my life back in 2007 in the back of a Chevy Blazer where God really shook me, you know, in a good way. It wasn't this condemning thing. It was shaking with his love, you know, mm-hmm. and, and awakening me to the possibility that there was so much more than anything that I knew, so much more love, so much more acceptance, so much more peace than anything that I had experienced up to that point. But I can look at the main character, John, and where he starts out and completely identify with that. And so that's where I knew I was going. And then as John continues on and experiences the things that he experiences and goes through some of those things and begins to to see the course of his his life uh, leading to a place he didn't think was possible, that was, that's the journey that I tracked mm. as well. And so absolutely, I see myself uh, in that. I see myself in his journey. I think you have to um, as an author. And if you don't, then if you don't enter into the experience, if you don't enter into the transformation, then people won't read it. Yeah. You know, so. Well, now, is it giving away too much if you talk about how when you first open the book, the first pages that you read, like, does that give away the whole story? Or because it's like the first couple of pages, you get you get sucker punched in the belly. Yeah. Like you're, no, I don't think so, because the back matter yeah. um, talks about his, his tragedy. Okay, yeah. so, so we're going to, okay, so the, so the main character, John, like he, it opens and he's going to a funeral to bury his entire family. So that is, that's how the book starts. Page one, chapter one. <laughs> and you're like, uh, uh, and, and you can't, you can't actually breathe because of what this man is going through. And, it, and, and so you're, you're wondering, oh my gosh, like, how do you start from that? How do you start from something that's so tragic 
to and and to continue. Like at that point, like he lost everything. He lost everything. Yeah. And what was what was really interesting is that as you wrote Jesse, <laughs> you couldn't figure out where you were going to go. And I'm really good. I'm really good at like I can like I watch movies and stuff. I'm like, "Up, oh, yep, that's the person. Up, oh, that's the killer. They're going to get with that person." Like I just know just by the way the story's going. I was completely lost. I had to just read because it just it, it just continued to change and it took you on such a um it took you on such a um a spiral. That's the best way to put it. Because this man's whole world was spiraled out of control and that's exactly what you captured. So now did you did you know anybody who had something so tragic to draw from or was this just something that you just had to press in to to feel what they felt? I have experienced the one of the most traumatic losses uh one of the it's going to sound redundant to say one of the most traumatic traumas you know but uh, it, Karen and I, we talk about in our book, Marriage, What's the Point? And we did a, a 700 Club uh, interview that's featured. So our story's out there. But we um, went through the tragedy of marital infidelity. Mm-hmm. And so I have experienced uh, one of the most tragic, tra- uh, uh, impacting, devastating traumas that people can experience. The loss of, of that in a marriage is similar, and this is just me. This is, these are these are uh, professionals who who have dealt with, and they say the loss, marital infidelity, is it it's it, the experience of it is like losing a child. It's like losing a loved one. Mm. And so I have experienced significant trauma in my life, uh, just like many other people. And so while I haven't experienced the loss of a close uh, person in my life. Um, I know what tragedy feels like. I know what suffering feels like. And the thing is, is that every other person on the face of this earth knows what that feels like, too, you know, in some capacity, in some way. That's why we can all relate to each other uh, through the traumas that we've had, you know, because we all know what pain feels like. We all know what suffering feels like. And we all want it to be better. You know, we all want to be healed from it. And so we're all very, we're, we're very similar in that regard. Well, and, and, you know, having something like that, you, you've seen people who have gone through the tragedy and come out through the other side, stronger, you know, resilient, whatever. But then you've seen the other side, especially being a paramedic, you've seen people just like at their worst, at their absolute worst. So, I mean, that's also a place that you can identify with, with how a person is you know, experiencing a difficult situation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one element I try to carry forward in my storytelling, in my writing is that, you know what, the, there are certain things that are a given. Okay. God's love is a given. God's healing of your heart, of the emotions is a given. If we're following him, if we're reaching out to him. Right. But there's, there's other things that aren't, you know, the, the choices that people make, you know, if you make the choice to, to love him, if you make the choice to reach out to him, um, there's healing for you. But that's not what people do all the time. No. And so I try to bring into my storytelling um, this, this real tension of sometimes people choose the path of healing and experience restoration, but other times people don't choose that. And other times they're, they're, the outcome is really tragic because people choose the way that leads to destruction instead of the way that leads to life. And that's where, that's real life. I mean, you know that. I mean, that's, that's the realness. That's the reality of life. That's the reality of free will. And so I see that other side, like you were saying. I see that. I see people choosing to walk the path of destruction. And so I can't get away from that in my storytelling. And that's, that's one of the, the questions that I have. That's one of the things that I, that I wrestle with. You know, what makes people stay on that trajectory towards destruction. Yeah. You know, and, and then what is it that points people to life? Well, I mean, I, I can think about people who have dealt with something where they have completely turned away from God. Yeah. In fact, I've actually prayed with people or, or have had conversations with people who they don't even realize they're mad at God, but they're mad at God. They're super yeah. mad at God. Like it was his fault. And so 
there, but there has to be that healing. Just like you said, you have to reach out. And I think that's what's so beautiful about this book, Finding Home, is, is there's, there's such beauty in the redemption process that, that John goes through. That, and, and, and there's, there, there's such, <laughs> there's such love. There's such passion throughout the entire book because it, it's about him, but there's also these other people who are interwoven because we're, we're all connected in some capacity. And I, and I thought that was kind of interesting that you were like weaving all these different people together and you're trying to figure out like, okay, so is it two separate stories? Is it, is this the same story? Is it just like two people who are like they're <laughs> you, you, and, and that, that, that was just so brilliant because like I said, I couldn't figure it out. I just couldn't figure it out. And it was just so different. It was a very, very different kind of book because of the way it, it was almost like a tango. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, there, it yeah. was, it was such a beautifully orchestrated dance yeah. that like at one, see at one point during like a tango, the guy's leading, but then it seems like the woman's kind of leading because there's like mm-hmm. this back and forth kind of thing. So it's like, yeah. you're not quite sure where it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, we have, like you said, we have John who started out with the tragedy and, and his, you know, path forward. Is he going to be able to recover from that tragedy? And then a little bit, I think it's in Chapter uh, 5, uh, I think it's Chapter 5 or 6, where we, we meet Alice. Yes. And she starts her story from the other side yes. of victory in a lot of ways. Yes. And so her journey is, you know, figuring out what God wants for her life and even traveling to a greater place of freedom. And how do, do these, like you said, do these two stories. John is in uh, Arizona, and we have Alice, who's in northern New York. Yeah. And how do these, what do they have to do, do with each other? Do they have anything to do with each other? Are they interwoven at all? And, and so, yeah, it's, um, it's uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know cuz you can't you can't I know you can't you can't give too much because mm-hmm. it's you know you don't want to spoil it. That that's the beauty of it. You don't want to spoil it. Yeah. But there are some things. So to be able to write from a woman's perspective. Now that that takes that takes some chutzpah. Like seriously, <laughs> you know, because you really got to put yourself in a pair of high heels to figure out what a woman's thinking. So how are you able to, to understand, especially a young girl? Yeah. Um, I asked my wife a lot of questions, mm-hmm. you know, I got her feedback on a lot of different parts. I did, you know, <laughs> I saw something on Facebook that was circulating around. It's, if your if your significant other is a writer, and you go onto their computer and you find Google searches for poisons and weapons and, and all right. these bearing bodies. Don't be freaked out. They're just doing research. Right, for their uh, book. So, right. So there was, there was some research that I did. Like I remember looking up uh, Alice was going to a dance or something like that, and I was looking up the, 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 uh, these different dresses. On, I was Googling these different dresses and looking at them and how I could describe them and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, but... Right, it's it's a challenge for sure. And James Patterson writes the Women's Murder Club series. Okay. And his main character is a uh, female. Mm-hmm. And I always looked at that, and I, I read a number of those books, and I always looked at that and I said, man, that is that is real skill to be able to put yourself into that perspective and write as a man writing your main character, and in some cases from a first-person narrative, right? Uh, from a first-person point of view. Uh, writing that that character, so I, I think it's just uh, wrestling. It, of course, it's wrestling with the questions, but it's wrestling with the questions from a woman from a woman's point of view. And I th- I just think it it takes practice and experience. Well, I also think that it shows your softer side. I think it also shows the 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 compassionate side of you, because that's what I felt like as I was reading. There were there were so many parts. Like I would be like, oh, that that that's definitely like that's part of Jesse. That's definitely part of it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that's part of Kara. So you could kind of see. Well, just because I know you guys. 
but you can kind of see and you can you can see the little similarities of the way that things were were described you can you can see and you could feel based on a conversation how something was driving but there there were certain things i was like wow <laughs> where did he get that from <laughs> <laughs> you know, were you hanging out with some teenagers, you know, going hanging out the Starbucks and eavesdropping on conversations? <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you that you talk about the softer side because I I think that I think that when you when you start touching on uh the heart of God inside of us, I think that you start to understand um, yet, men and women obviously we're, we're different. We're different, and the way that we respond to things is is different. We're just different genders. We have different makeups, but the the heart of God and the goodness of God is alive in many similar ways inside of both genders. Yet you have the the nurturing. A lot of times comes from from the woman, but men can nurture. Yes, you know? there's a nurturing heart inside of men, and so when you can when you can touch on those similarities, you can touch on the compassion, when you can touch on, on the love and the patience and, and all these things that make up the, the heart of God, um, sometimes it doesn't matter what gender uh, uh, you're writing from, what gender point of view you're writing from, because you're, you're writing about the heart of God inside of somebody. And so sometimes that just can come through. Well, and there was also some parts that you wrote about in the book, like you, you dealt with addiction. Um, you dealt with, with look like some sort of a... Um, like uh, um, homelessness, and there there were some issues that were brought up that you th- that you needed to kind of talk about and discuss, and and I I thought like especially like the addiction part that was kind of interesting because there it was spoken but it was never bigger than than it needed to be if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, um, uh, praying medic. Mm-hmm. You know, he um, had something to say about the way that some of that stuff was treated. He had he had mentioned to me, he said, I really appreciated the way that you handled uh, some of the things that Alice experiences in mm-hmm. her past. Right. Um, because you, you deal with it in such a way to where um, there's not an overt vulgarity Correct. To, to the writing and to the story, um, but you give the reader a very clear picture of what had happened to her and what she had gone through. And that was a, that was a concern for me because I, was, I really was trying to find the balance in needing to be real and raw with her story and yet making it uh, palatable to the reader. Right. You know, and, and not something that, oh, I can't, I can't read this anymore. This is just too, this is too, um, too gruesome. You know, vulgar. This is yeah. too whatever you might say. Right. You know, so that's something that I was concerned about, and that's something that I I spent some time with the Lord and just asking Him, you know, how do I approach this? Well, I think that, you know, just like sometimes when we're ministering to people, you know, sometimes God will show us stuff about that person. And it's it's very detailed sometimes. Mm. But it's not for us to share with that person. It's for us to understand that person. And I think that's sort of what you did, is you kind of gave glimpses and shared how you can understand what she went through, but yet you didn't have to say it out loud. So it was almost like that. That's what I kind of felt was that it, it was like a glimpse into what happened, but there was no reason to make it bigger than the person. Yeah. And I, I thought that was really beautiful, but like, but there were other things too. And, and, and it, what, what's so great about finding home and just in case you would like to get it, right now, there's a special. You can go on to Kindle. So Amazon, you can go to Kindle, and you can get it for four ninety nine. Come on. Seriously? Five bucks? <laughs> Five bucks? I'm telling you, you're going to spend more on tissues. <laughs> you're going to need at least two boxes of tissues when you read this book. But it is so worth the ride. Because I think that's the, that's the beauty about finding home. And where did the title come from, by the way? Um, the, the title came from the destination where I, where I saw, where I knew where I wanted everyone to end up and what... what they were searching for, and and really, what many of us are searching for, and I and I guess some of the questions in my own heart. I'm I'm looking for a, a place to rest. I'm looking for a home place in some of these things that I'm wrestling with. But yeah, I saw I saw where the characters were, and I saw where I wanted them to end up, and I, and where I wanted them to end up is a place of 
uh, not, not necessarily where everything is explained to the T, but a place where they can experience peace, a place to where the questions why and some of the other questions don't matter as much because they know that they know that they know that they're home and that they're loved. That's beautiful. And, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about finding home, I see, I'm thinking like our home is heaven. So <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, that, that's ultimately, that's our home. And if we don't understand that that is our home, then we're always searching. We're always searching for something. Yeah. But really, it, it's, it's, we're searching for heaven. We're, we're searching for that connection with daddy. But um, yeah. the, the way that you, I'm trying not to give things away, but the, the way that you, you talked about how the, the, the emotions the, the way that things were handled, that you couldn't possibly see, you just couldn't possibly see like an, a, a good ending. You just really couldn't. And, the, and there was something so, as, as I was reading it, this is what I saw, is that people are going to be able to use this book to understand why there are people in their, in their families who are t- who've turned away from God. And can understand their hurt and, and their their frustration and their fear and their and everything. They can they can kind of see it because I think sometimes we're in church so much that we forget where we were. But this book is a great reminder of how we can get to that place where we can forget all the good stuff that God has done, and we can completely turn away from it and and get completely lost. That and that's the other thing too is that there everybody was lost. Everybody was lost in this book. Yeah. So, so finding home was, was so important. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you say that because the series is called the Lost and Found series. Mm. So that means it, that there's a part two. There's a part two and there will be a part three. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. Oh, my gosh. Because there's so many questions. Like there, there was stuff that was answered, but... There was stuff that wasn't answered. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be so cool to see what happens in the, se- in the second book. What, do you have the name of the second book? The second book is called Finding Hope. Finding Hope. Ooh. Yep. Okay. So that's yep. going to be interesting. That's going to be very interesting. Yeah. And, you know, the, um, you said that some things are answered and some things aren't. I think one of the, the coolest things about uh, being a, a storyteller, being a, being a writer, but – uh, in nonfiction too, but especially in fiction, is that I don't as as the writer I don't have to answer every question. Mm-hmm. I I I get to invite the reader into a journey. You know, I get to invite the reader into a story, and I get to invite the reader to wrestle with the characters and with me on some of these questions. And um, you know, obviously, there's there's certain things in the stories that you have to wrap up and you have to answer, but some of the other things, like some of the deeper, the deeper things, uh, the deeper messages of, of finding home, some of them just don't tie up in a nice, nice little neat bow. Right. You know, some of them encourage you to continue to wrestle, you know, and continue to seek the heart of God and continue to, to, um, to understand him more, to ask him more questions, to just continue that journey. Well, the, the other thing, too, is like, when, okay, so as you're developing these characters and stuff, how many times did it become a movie in your head? Because I, it was like a great movie. I, I have characters already. I know exactly who's supposed to play John, Gerard Butler. So I will be on the set. <laughs> so if, if Gerard Butler is listening, this is, this is so, it's him. It's Gerard Butler. Like, it, like that's the only person I could see. Because I even like sat there and I tried to wrap myself around who else should play it. No, 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 him. Because there's, there's a gruffness, but there's a soft side. But it's so hidden. But did you ever see him in, the, um, what's it called, The Machine Gun Preacher? No, I didn't see that. <gasps> oh, my gosh, Jess. This, okay, so this is a, it's a, based on a true story. And it's about this guy who comes, he's, he was in jail. He was like a hot mess. But he, he turns his life around, okay? He starts going to church. He gets saved, right? Then he actually, he starts a church. He actually like starts a church he, and he falls in love with uh, people in Africa. He goes to Africa on a missions trip and he falls in love with them. And it's like crazy because they call him the machine gun preacher because he's like killing, he's killing the, the insurgents, I guess, who are coming to, to hurt his kids. 
Like, oh, okay, yeah. And it's it's powerful. I mean, it is, let's put it this way. You can't show it at church, but it needs to be seen at church. <laughs> I gotcha. It, but it, it's it's that good because he's really, like, he's rough, but, it, but it's the passion that he has to protect these kids, to protect these people. They, he considers them his family, and, it, and it's yeah. just so, so powerful. So you see movies like that where – because sometimes that's what happens is we become so passionate about what God has done or where God has, has led us. We become so passionate that our emotions take over, and we – you know, we fall out of the box. <laughs> and I think that was the case for John is his emotions kind of took over and he kind of fell out of the box. But it, it, it's so interesting how there was, again, there's that dance. There was a dance, how, how God pursued him. There was yeah. a beautiful, and, and the, the, the great thing is God didn't shove it down his throat. He didn't tell yeah. him he was going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, how about that? How about that? You know, he didn't, like, he didn't do anything that, unfortunately, sometimes with our passion to get our loved ones saved, we do. Yeah. And I think that, that, that this, actually, this book is, would be a great book to give to somebody who doesn't know God. Yeah. Yeah, I think that... Um... The experiences that, that John came to have with God really displayed a completely opposite picture of what he had always believed his whole life. And if you think about it, if you, if you think about it, if, if we are turning away from, from God uh, because of tragedy in our lives, it is telling the tale of our misunderstanding of who the Father really is in the first place. It really speaks to uh, just a... a misunderstanding of the nature and the character of God, because the reason, um, I think, in most cases, why we turn away from God in tragedy is because we hold God responsible for tragedy. And that is really traditional teaching. God, God is in control, you know, the whole, oh, God is in control of everything. Oh, there must be a reason for, for this happening and that happening. And, and so we just, we praise God anyway. Well, that's all well and good to say when you're, you're not the one going through it. You know, that's all, well, that's, all, that's all easy to say when you're not the one who has to deal with uh, your loved one passing away or some other kind of horrific tragedy in your life. And then, then we have to face it, and then we have to come to terms and come to grips with what we really believe about the character and nature of God. And in many cases, it's just not a very pretty picture at all. And it really, if we, if we take it to, our, to the logical conclusion, if we hold God responsible for tragedy, it gets really ugly really quickly. And so it's what we do with, with that in that moment. It's like, well, okay, what do we do with this? What are, we can stick our head back in the sand, but we won't ever truly live again. You know, we, we'll spend the rest of our lives just putting up, just tolerating the, the, um, the deity in the sky who rains down pestilence and, and blessings with the same hand. Right. And we don't want to get close to a God like that. And, and so the journey, you know, uh, the journey in my life, when my life really began to change is when... I began to discover that God is not responsible for the suffering in our lives. That's when I really began to wake up. And so that is, um, you know, John is having his experiences, and he's going through his things and and finding home, and he's uh, discovering a God that doesn't look very much like the God that he grew up believing in. And so, you know, that's his journey. Well, I think, though, that he didn't understand God. Like it, like he was the, you know, he was the God who comes to church and you wear your nice suit and you don't curse and, you know, you make sure you you do nice things and help the woman across the street. And, you know, that was the God that he thought. And he, you know, he was Old Testament God, you know, I'm going to put wrath on you because you're this or you're that. And he, he just, I don't think he ever really understood the love of the father at all. Because I, I don't think if you truly understand it that you could ever think that he could do something so horrific. Yeah. Well, we, we are taught to understand God through the lens of what we experienced growing up. And unfortunately, uh, for most people who have children, uh, most parents have come to, to believe that control is a good thing and that control must be established and maintained at all costs. Uh, whether that be through, uh, 
you know, verbal abuse or, you know, all the different extremes, you know, whatever you can do to make sure that your kids, you know, we throw around the respect word a lot, you know, and there's, there, we need to respect, you know, and we need that, but um, I think it gets overused and I think it gets, it gets abused and, and to, in an effort to maintain this type of control, uh, we are teaching our children that God the Father is the same way, uh, who will, you know, just very, authoritative and is just not very nice and you don't really want to get near him because you don't really believe that he likes you that much. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's really tragic. And, um, so it, it, it has a lot to do with, with how we experience the spiritual authorities and the people who are closest to us, who influence, you know, what we, what believe, what we believe it is to take care of somebody. And what's interesting is in the book, because we were talking about Alice and, and Alice believed she was a believer in God and she was, she was walking this out, but there were still things that she couldn't quite comprehend. Like she knew that God was good and she started to, to look at people differently, but it still was a struggle because of the things that she experienced in her life. And it was, so she had God in her life, but there was still that, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And I think that 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 whole like message of trust kind of weaves through the entire book. Yeah, I remember uh, Jack Frost. Uh, he Shiloh Place Ministries. He has the most drum impacting, uh, heart wrenching revelation of the Father's love that I've ever heard anyone talk about. The guy, the guy was amazing. He passed away in two thousand and five, I believe. But I remember he, he he wrote the book The Father's Embrace and did a Father's Embrace conferences, and just, just incredible. But he was a, I remember, I'm thinking of his story, I'm just reminded of his story, at 30 years old, he was about as far away from God that you could get. I mean, he was a, a fishing boat captain who was driven by performance, and he was always trying to raise the bar, um, gambling, drinking, pornography, sex, you know, all that kind of stuff. And one night on his, on his fishing boat, he had a dramatic encounter with the Lord, and the Lord delivered him from every... Every bit of addiction, you know, across the board, every, every addiction was, was healed and um, delivered right mm-hmm. there in that moment. Mm-hmm. And he turned his life over to the Lord that night. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you think, wow, his life really changed. So things must be good. Well, things continued not to be good for him. So he didn't have to deal with, so he had turned his life over to the Lord, but he didn't have to deal with the addictions anymore. But this performance was still a, a mighty force in his life. So it wasn't until 10 years after that experience on the boat that he finally received revelation of the perfect love of God, and it really began to change everything about him. So I say that to, to say, we, I think that we like to think that as soon as somebody gets, gets uh, saved or delivered or turns their life over to God, then everything's well and good. And I think that, that there's a lot of Christian fiction out there that kind of gives that impression. But I don't experience that as real life. You know, I experience the deliverance of, of God um, in, in stages and, and how God shows us things when we have the tools to deal with those things and, and the layers of, of healing and inner, and inner healing and deliverance that we go through along the way so that we are continually formed into the image of Christ. There are some things that get healed overnight and instantly, yes, no doubt. Some amazing testimonies. But the process of learning who the Father really is and the process of discovering the love and and the process of discovering our true identity is, like I just said, it's a process. And sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes it takes 10 years. How long did Paul spend in the the desert? Seven years? Right, right. And that's the nice thing about the book because, you know, there, it wasn't like a radical change. Like things didn't radically change in this book. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, one day this and then boom, you know, next day this. No, no, no. There, there was a walking through it. There was a walking through it, but you still saw the father's hand. Yeah. You saw the father's hand every step in each, in each decision, in each step of fear where, where there was some fear, you saw the father's hand. It's okay. It's okay. You're going to get through this. And, and that, I, I think that, like, the, the, you know, the next book is Finding Hope. Well, the hope kind of started in Finding Home. 
because you could see the hope. You yeah. you were you were rooting for the characters. You were like you you hoped that they would find things, that they would find salvation, they would find freedom, they would find love, that they would find things. So there was a hope already that was structured into the book. So in the next book, it's going to be really interesting to see if they get what we all hoped for. <laughs> you know, but there was, there was a lot of hope in that book. There was, there was, I mean, there was stuff. That was the other thing too. It's like, there was some stuff that was kind of like, whoa, there was some pretty heavy stuff that you had to deal with. I mean, aside from the tragedy and it was like, it's almost like you had to I, I hate to say you had to go old school, but like, you know, you had, you had to almost like go, you know, go back to a place where like God wasn't in your life to write. Yeah. Which is, that must've been kind of weird. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like being there. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was uncomfortable to be there. I see, I see a lot maybe not to the extreme of some of the things that some of the characters experience, but I see a lot of darkness every time I go to work. Mm. And so I have, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm uh, at work. When I go to work, I, I am the light in, in some very oppressive, dark places. Absolutely. And so that, that gives me some things to, to draw on, but I also, you know, know by experience some of the, the darkness of addiction and some of the darkness of, of despair. Um, and so some of those feelings of despair and hopelessness and things like that um, can, can be uh, translated without necessarily having gone through some of the specific experiences. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, was, it was uncomfortable with some of that. Yeah. And, you know, but, there, but again, you're, you're, you're trying to tell something that it could have happened. I mean, this could be a very true story for somebody. This, this could be like it really happened because stuff like this does happen. Mm-hmm. Stuff like this happens all the time where something tragic comes along, rocks somebody's world, shakes their face to the ground, and they walk away. And you only hope that they can find it again. But, it, but what does it take to find it? Does, does Jesus really pursue us? Do you know what I mean? Like, do we really believe that? Do we really believe yeah. that Jesus pursues us? Because that was the thing. There was, there was such a passion that God had for John. And it was like he, he pursued him. But the, the reality is Jesus pursues us all. Yeah. And we just don't see it. And, and see, he didn't even see it until it was really like in his face. Yeah. And I, I thought that was just a very cool technique that you used that he could kind of see it, but like he knew there was something, but he didn't know what it was, Yeah. but he felt that there was something coming. There was something that was, was coming after him. Oh, that's good. Yes. There was something (laughs) that was coming after him and he could see it in glimpses, but he just didn't recognize it. And, and that is, that is the pursuit that God has for all his children. And it's different for each and every person. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think that, I think that we have lots of testimonies right now from the Muslim community having encountered visitations from Jesus. Mm-hmm. In, their, in their dreams, and their waking hours, you know, it doesn't, whatever, they're having visitations from Jesus himself. He's showing up and saying, hey, look. I'm real, and I love you, and I'm inviting you to share my heart. And so we also have many testimonies of people like you and me, everyday, um, ordinary, extraordinary people who are carrying the love of Jesus to the people around us. Mm. And so, like you said, that Jesus is always pursuing us. It may look differently in different situations. In fact, it will... The, the manifestation of that physically will, will look differently for in different situations, but it's the same heart displayed. It's the same passion uh, ex- displayed, that same Song of Solomon pursued across the desert mm. to get the bride. Yeah, and, you know, that was the other thing, too. You threw Christians <laughs> into the mix, which was so—like, <laughs> you threw them in, and it was funny because— th- 
they, they just kind of, you knew, you just knew that they were Christian, you know? And, and then of course you found out that they were Christian, but it was like, it, it just, it was so, it was just written so beautifully and it was executed just it, flawless. And, and for your first fiction, it was just unbelievable. But what's so cool is it started passioning you writing fiction, correct? Yeah, it did. Yep. And so you are actually compiling short stories right now, too. Yeah. Yeah, I've got, I've got, uh, I'm writing a compilation of about 12 short stories. Mm-hmm. And those have been a lot of fun. And I, I mentioned earlier that the reality of life and the reality of free will is one that puts us in a position to where sometimes we choose life and sometimes we choose destruction. And so I, I, got, to, to, I got the opportunity to, to live that out through characters in, in these um, short stories. And sometimes we're cheering at the end and sometimes we're not feeling so good at the end uh, because of free will. And so... Um, this, I mean, the passion to, to, to tell stories and, and to, to do that and to write fiction was, yeah, it was inspired by, by this journey of finding home. I, I, I woke up to something I didn't even know was there, really, and, and uh, discovered that I, I, can, I can tell a story, and um, I want to tell more stories. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to doing that. I'm looking forward to, to diving in and, and devoting more time to doing that and uh you know and all of your god leads it and all of your fiction are are i I don't want to say christian based but they have a a christian tone how about that oh yeah yeah they have the the groundwork the foundation is uh jesus yes you know um some sometimes how that is played out through the story sometimes it's subtle um, but the message is always Jesus, you know. Uh, but, you know, the reality uh, of life, you know, is played into that too. So it's not – one thing I always wanted to try to do when I was writing when I was writing stories is I wanted to really bring the rawness of emotion, uh, the rawness of free will, the rawness of, of the world um, into the stories because I want them to be relatable to people who, who experience these things on a daily basis. And so – um, it's like you said. There's some heavy stuff in finding home. Um, the, the characters experience real struggles, uh, real trials. They experience some real defeats, and they experience some real joy and some real restoration. And that's what I want to be uh, a part of every story that I write. I want it to be life-changing fiction. I want it to be real. I want it to be relatable. I want it to be transformational. And so I don't shy away from, from the trials of life. And there's, I mean, there's even, I mean, there's, I'll, I'll just say it, there's, there's a little bit of mild cursing and finding home. Yeah. And that, that, that's where I was saying that you, you had to go old school. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to be nice. I just couldn't figure out how to, cause you did, you had to get raw, but you yeah. had to, you had to yeah. in order to make it legit. It had to. Yeah. But it was, it was never out of, it was never like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. you know, but it was necessary because sometimes, you know, <laughs> when, when you're dealing, even like in ministry, I was like talking to this girl and I was prophesying. She goes, yeah, she goes, God knows everything about me. Well, what does he say about me? And I told her and her reaction was holy Blanken, blanken, blanken. <laughs> you know? So we'll, we'll add a couple F's and a couple S's, but, <laughs> you know, it was like, what, like when she said it, I start cracking up. I didn't get offended. I didn't get appalled. And I don't think, I don't think daddy did either because that's where she is. Like, what would yeah. she say? She doesn't know. But when it happened, her, ex, um, what is it? Expl- ex, um, Expl- um, expletives. Expletives. Yes. Are not, holy moly. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this yeah. is a person who doesn't know Jesus. So she's like, you know, but, and, and that, that was, that was the great thing is that it, it, the thing about finding home, Jesse, is that you wrote in such a way that 
you were completely, you as Jesse Berkey was completely gone. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like your ideas. It was just like you just wrote from this place. And I almost, what I actually feel when you write, and don't don't take this the wrong way, but it's almost like you become God. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But you have the Father's heart, right? We're, we're all little Jesuses. So, but you're writing from a place, like you're creating these characters. So it's almost like you're just playing out and, and you're giving them free will. So yeah. you, in a lot of ways, you're, you're not dictating what they should do. You're just letting the character kind of explore. And you're, you're being led by the, the, the character and the person that you've developed. And you're, you're starting to see. And you're giving them choices. And I think that's, that's the beautiful part about finding home. Because there were so many choices that could have been made. And it never felt forced. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, well, it has to go this way because it's a Christian book. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, it could, yeah. because it, there were so many different turns in the book that you forgot it was a Christian book. Yeah. That's what I loved about it. Because I, like I said in the, like earlier, is that you could give this book Finding Home to somebody who doesn't know Jesus and they will find Jesus. Yeah. That's yeah. a powerful tool. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's, good to, it's good to hear that. You know, it's good to hear that feedback because that, that was really something that I wanted to, to try to do. I want it to be, um, if, you can, if you can write, if you can tell a story that, that reflects the reality of life and not shy away from, you know, definitely not shying away from the redemption and, and the victories, but not shying away from the failures and the defeats too. You're touching hearts across the spectrum when you do that. Um, because there's people on both ends and everywhere in the middle. And I think that, that uh, something that really kind of attests to, to what I'm trying to do is, is I have four of my short stories that um, are in this compilation. Um, they are, they're, well, they're on my website, jesseberkey.com, but I posted them on a website, a secular website called StoryStar. Uh, it's storystar.com. And three of them have won awards on that site. <laughs> and they don't know they're talking about Jesus. <laughs> and they, <laughs> and uh, so it's just really awesome to, mm -hmm. to see um, the, a, sec a community that, that may not confess Jesus as Lord uh, being impacted by the kingdom through these stories. And that's what I believe is what God is doing through these books. And I believe he's going to continue doing that through these books because, you know, look, Twilight, not, not to make comparisons, but Twilight, you know, it, it changed. Oh, my gosh. Everybody was into the whole vampires and the, and the whole thing because there's a part of us that craves the supernatural. The, the craves the supernatural and craves to be recognized and craves to be, you know, I mean, if you think about it, like there, there was power, there was romance, there was, you know, supernatural, there was like defying the odds. Like those were the things that and there, but, but that's what the kids liked. They got excited because their supernatural part of them was being fed and in finding home. You kind of deal with some of that supernatural stuff too, which is, but it was so subtle and it was so beautiful that you don't, it's not in your face. It wasn't like, ha, there you go. <laughs> Say it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there yeah. are some people who are, are taken back from some of the supernatural stuff of God, but yet you, you very gently placed it in there so it's there and they can kind of read it from a perspective of huh well that's interesting do you know what I mean and I and I so I think that that finding home has so many different elements it, it has it has the truth it has the grit it has choices it has redemption it has love it has power it has the sovereignty of God because God was was sovereign through the whole book because it was his wish to to find his kids and to bring his kids to a place of home. Amen. So, you know, there there was so much in it. So if you guys want to get a copy of this book, which I highly, highly, highly recommend, you go to, you can go to your website too, right? Now, can they also get it at your website, the Kindle version? 
Yeah, they can get it at jesseberkey.com. The paperback version is available in the store. Um, but for the Kindle, you'll have to go to amazon.com to grab that. Okay. So and that's going to be $4.99. Now, I will tell you that it's always nice to have a book. And there are people who love to get books and you can't always share a Kindle. So get the Kindle for yourself and grab a book for somebody who doesn't believe. Because that way you can kind of talk about a book. And this would be a great book for a book club because there's so much to discuss. Like, I mean, look, we, we've done almost a whole hour discussing it. We really can't even discuss all the good parts because I don't want to give it away. <laughs> but this would be this because it brings up so many different conversations because you can really kind of challenge each other with, well, what do you think about this? And how about that? And, you know, because, the, you know, John went through these different things and Alice went through these different things, but they're but you can still see how God can move in two people's lives in such a different way, but yet you can feel the love, you can feel the compassion, you can feel the understanding, and you can see that his heart is to bring us our heart's desires. Because I think that was the other thing too that we kind of saw in, in the book is that you really kind of showed that their heart's desires were, were kind of met because they both were following him. Yeah. And I thought... That, you know, but like I said, there were so many questions, <laughs> you know, towards the end. And, and like I said, two, two boxes of tissues are, are absolutely necessary <laughs> to get through this book. So I, I have to ask, you were saying earlier that there have been people who have, have read it. Now, of course, I'm a woman. How many men have read this book and really just have been bowled over by it? Uh, well, I can't. I don't. I don't know the the uh, exact answer to that, but I do know that the men that I've read that have read it that have um, given me feedback has been a very emotional response as well. And so it's hitting. It's uh, God is impacting men and women uh, through the story. And that and that alone to you know to get a guy to read a book to be impacted a fiction. Most men don't like fiction. That's that's kind of I've always that's what I've been told by my husband. So I don't know if that I'm not saying that for for fact, but I just he's like, no, nah, I don't read fiction. Fiction is not for me. But you know, it was something very interesting because with the shack, people either loved it or hated it. There was no like gray area. It wasn't like oh, it was all right. No, it was like I hated that book. Oh my gosh. Or I was like, oh my gosh, I love that book. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and but see, this book, I I can't see. Like I don't see that 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 breaking point because you there there were challenges, but it never came outside of the constraints of of what we believe. So, yeah. you know, where I felt like the shack kind of went off into an extreme, but I, he definitely got his point across. Mm-hmm. But in finding home, it, it's, it's, a, it's a proof that God loves us, he pursues us, and he will give us beauty for our ashes. Yeah. Yeah, I know that this um, example, this, um, this, feed, this person of feedback is going to be a little biased, okay? I understand that. But I'm going to tell you what my father told me. Okay. <laughs> And he is, when he reads fiction, he reads the Jack Reachers, uh, oh, okay. the, um, the, the um, Jack Ryans, mm-hmm. you know, the spy, the um, high-intensity action thrillers. Mm-hmm. Right? He read Finding Home, and he was absolutely blown away. Like, genuinely, since who reads a completely different genre of fiction, Finding Home, he said he couldn't put it down. Yeah. Right? And I understand he's my dad, so, but I'm just, I wanted to tell you that because men who enjoy fiction that that um, Finding Home doesn't, necessar- doesn't necessarily fall into, love this book, love this story. They're drawn into it. You could say my father is not a very credible uh, critic because, of course, he's my father. But I want to tell you this because my dad reads the genre of fiction that is thriller, suspense, intense, you know, spy, the Jack Ryans and the Jack Reachers and the big macho man military-type thrillers and conspiracy thrillers, inspirational fiction or, or books like The Shack. But he read this book because I'm his son, right? And so, <laughs> but he was absolutely blown away, sincerely blown away by this book. He, he looked at me when he was done, he, and he finished it in like one day, and he said, this is so, so surprised that he said this, just because 
I know that this isn't his his normal genre. So I say that to say that men love the story. Men are being impacted and drawn in by the story. If if they if they like the Jack Reachers and that kind of stuff, finding home is going to impact them too. Well, I think that it's something that that they can relate to because yeah. God forbid, you know, something ever happened to somebody's family. I, I think that it it pulls on heartstrings from from a male perspective that I don't think they're quite accustomed. And I think that once you get hooked in, and, and that was the beauty of the book. I mean, like from the beginning, you, you're just like, oh, okay, I got to finish this book because <laughs> you're like this poor man, <laughs> you know? And I, I think that starting it off in that way was so brilliant because you immediately connected with the character. You didn't have to have a long, drawn-out introduction and start to get to know him. You just fell in love with him and your heart connected with him on page one, basically, because it was just and, – and it was so smart because then you were able to go through this journey with him. Because if you – if it was like a, a side note that this happened and he showed where he, where he kind of turned, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, this guy's a – He's not a nice person. I was gonna, I was gonna use an expl- expletive, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah. So that that I thought was very. I thought that was um, that was very smart. And, and I just, I always say that God is a very good writer. So I, I think that what He has poured into you has just been just brilliant. And I, I see so many more books and I really do see Finding Home becoming a movie. I absolutely do. Because the whole thing that I, I read, it was a movie. I watched a movie. I did not, could be, that's like the way that you wrote. It, it was, that's how it could be is I just saw an entire movie. And I think Gwyneth Paltrow played, uh, was um, somebody that, that uh, John became friendly with. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put it that way because I don't want to, again, I can't, I can't talk. So you guys, I, I'm hoping you guys are laughing along and you're getting excited and you're wanting to get this book because it really is, it's, it's that good. You know, so, and when is, um, when is your short story books? When are they coming out, Jesse? Uh, I've got a couple short stories left to write and then we will, we'll see. Okay. We'll see what happens. Okay. Now, if yeah. you guys want to, you can also go to jessieberkey.com and you can sign up and you can actually, you'll get from, I think your mailing list, right? You'll actually send when you finish a, a short story. Some of them you've been kind of posting or giving, sending them to yeah, people's emails. Yeah, there were four. There were four that I sent out, so you'll be able to see those. Um, it, you go to jesseberkey.com and you can go to the blog and uh, look at the short story category. Uh, you'll find the four that I released uh, there. And yeah, I send out. If you sign up for the newsletter, we're going to give you. You know, there's a free gift for doing that. You get a nice um, infographic, the seven steps to come alive with Jesus. You can print that out, and then you'll be able to stay in touch. So you'll know when. The short story uh, collection is coming out. You'll know when Finding Hope is coming out. You'll you'll just know some of these things. So because you know, I'll share that with you. Now you you gave me a special little sneak peek at Finding Hope, correct? Or was that uh, just a short story? I don't know. That wasn't no. That wasn't Finding Hope. That was just a short story. That was just the- that was a short story. Oh my gosh, it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> you are so you're such a great fiction writer. Uh no, I think it was from I thought it was from Finding Hope because it had it had a character from Right, from, it did. Some of the some of the short stories I'm doing from the compilation have characters from Finding Hope <gasps> in it in them. Oh, that's so good. I didn't even realize that. So wait a second. So it's short stories of people from Finding Home? Some of them have characters from Finding Home in them. Oh, that's so good. Okay, so so this this particular little short story that I read now is that on your blog? That one is not. Okay, no. okay, it's so good. It's just so good, and it's the taxi one on your blog. So which one? The taxi, the taxi yeah, driver. That one is, yeah, oh. yeah. Okay, but you didn't finish it, right? It just kind of ends. It just kind of ends. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't finish those. But. <laughs> <laughs> because I wanted to throw my phone. I'm like, wait, no, it has to, where's it going? <laughs> that, and that's the beauty of your writing. Your, your writing gets people hooked in and you just start enjoying the ride. So this has been so much fun. If you guys are interested again in finding the book, finding home, jessieberkey.com. If you want it for your Kindle, $4.99. Best five bucks you'll ever spend. So you can go to Amazon, find finding home. You can also look at Jesse Berkey's other books. He has um, 
He has a beautiful devotional, which is um, was written by him and his wife, Kara, which has come alive with Jesus, which is fabulous, which is my devotional. Um, he also has a Life Resurrected, correct? Yep. Marriage, What's the Point that you wrote with Kara? Correct. And I think, is that it? That's it. Ah, oh, see, I did good, and I'd even have to look at my notes. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> well, I hope that you guys have uh, have enjoyed this uh, this special uh, interview with Jesse Berkey, author, publisher, awesome, awesome man of God, who also does video interactive ministry called Vim. So if you also go to jesseberkey.com, you can also find out about when he's having his next, uh, it's a video interactive ministry. So you actually become part of the ministry team. There are people who are, are, you know, speaking and stuff, but everybody's like speaking and praying for each other. And it's so different and it's so unique. It's kind of like Periscope, but with lots, lots more to do, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Karen and I were wondering one one day last August what it might look like to be able to use a webinar-type platform in order to minister to people all over the world. And so we started thinking about that, and we got hooked up with a platform that allowed for more than one co-host. And so we're like, sweet, because we've always been wanting to, to minister as a body together. I, I, don't, I don't really care for the model where there's one person up front and they're the ones who do everything. I, I love to invite people into the process because we're the body. Absolutely. And, and so it's not just about, even though there's, there's usually four co-hosts up on the, the panel that you can see, uh, everybody in the audience participates. Everybody is, is jotting down encouraging prophetic words. Everybody is agreeing in prayer for the healing. They're, they're typing out into the, into the chat uh, prayers for healing over people who have a need for healing. Uh, there's a share the stage feature where if you have a word, we invite you to, to say, okay, I have, a word for, I have a word of encouragement for so-and-so, and we'll, we'll invite you to share the stage, and you, you will turn on your webcam so that you can give that, that word uh, live over your webcam and your built-in microphone. And so it's just it's really neat uh, to the technology uh, these days that allow us to do things like that. And um, some really neat testimonies and really crazy uh, impacting love of God. Absolutely. And it's what's too fun is that everybody is like in everybody, like we're all together. We're everybody's talking and, and sharing and encouraging and people are, are commenting. So it's, it's fun. It would be like going to a conference and then saying, Oh wait, I have something to say <laughs> going and taking the microphone. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's okay. I tell you I yeah. tell everybody right from the beginning. That's what we want you to do. Yep. We want you. We don't want you just to sit there and receive. We want you to give. That's right. You know, it's like I heard somebody say recently, and it's become really. Uh, I love this line. You do not exist just for you. That's right. You exist for the people around you right. as well. Right. And well, so, being a son or daughter is not a sideline sport. You got to get in and play. That's right. So that is awesome. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so much fun. And as soon as the next books come, we would love to have you come back on. Absolutely. We would. And so once again, you guys can go to jesseberkey.com. You can check out all his stuff. You can sign up for his newsletter. You can go to amazon.com. And the Kindle version is five bucks for finding home. Trust me, you will text me and thank me. (laughs) So thank you so much for for coming on tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for all the kind words. You're Um, you're awesome. Well, I think you're awesome too. So I hope you guys have been blessed um, hearing about Finding Home, and I hope you get your copy. And who knows, maybe we'll do a Finding Home like call-in show where we can all talk about it. (laughs) That would be cool. That would be. Yeah, do a Vim about Finding Home. Oh, Seriously. Oh, I thought about it. We've, we've had, Karen and I have had a conversation about doing a, um, almost like a, a book club, yep. a, a group book club format. And like you said, group study yeah. uh, of, of the book. Oh, I am so there. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, thanks again for, for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. I, I hope that you guys have been blessed. Just um, remember to go out and touch someone. Good night.